Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Will we be seeing you later today at the Homowack Hotel? It could be. It you remember be. you remember Thanksgiving at the Homowack? Absolutely. Just remin- just reminiscing for a moment <laughs> as we kick things off, Mr. Honline. Those were the days, as they say. Um, well, some American Jews may say those were the days when American Jews had tremendous influence on what was going on in Israel. Until they met uh, Tzibi Chotavelli. Uh, she had an opinion this week which certainly went viral. And which she had to apologize for about the recommending that... Um, uh, that people who live outside of Israel, let's put it this way, I'll sum it up in a friendly fashion, have a limited role in uh, in um, and a limited say in terms of what's going on in Israel. And this is an issue you and I have discussed at length over the years. You piece all these uh, these sessions together, and we've got one long conversation about this issue. What did you think? What was your reaction uh, to her remarks? Well, it certainly was surprising. She did an interview on television, and the the danger in her remarks was reflected in the fact that the Stormtrooper website, the neo-Nazi websites, picked up on it right away, because what she said is that American Jews don't serve in the Israeli army, which is true, and does limit the, you know, the rights to, uh, in some respects, not to speak out and to say what they believe, but uh, we have to respect the fact that Israelis live in a democratic society, have a right to make determinations of their own. That I agree with, but not the emphasis she put. First of all, American Jews who have come since the Machal to fight in Israel and fight for Israel, all of the other contributions and the involvements of American Jews. Uh, but her site, but her comments were picked up, and of course they said that here's evidence that American Jews don't. Uh, fight. They don't fight in our wars. And she made references to Afghanistan and uh, uh, Iraq, which was is completely uh, out of place. And the discussion itself, the the questioner who pressed her very hard, and she's articulate in in uh, and sharp in her answers, um, said th- that the incident she had that that sparked this discussion uh, was an invitation to her to speak at a Hillel, and it was rescinded under pressure. Uh, for which the Hill director, the local Hill director, issued a very strong apology and said it wouldn't happen again. And National Hill joined it and uh, said that's not their policy. They they uh, uh, did a public apology to to Hantavelli, uh and instead of of limiting it and showing that it was a mistake on the part of an individual and in, in a particular campus. Um, now it was universalized to say that all of Hillel and all of the, the people are are were behind it, and that is just untrue and that was on the part of the the questioners not and then she did not respond to that but rather picked up on this thing which she has spoken about a lot that this uh, speaking engagement was canceled um as evidence of the problems we the the legitimate problems we're having on campus but now put it into this context Mm -hmm. of what appears to be a degradation of the relationship with the american jury and it comes at a time when of course there are many frictions uh ongoing and so this became just fuel for the fire yeah i don't know her well enough to discuss her disposition but i'm sure that that uh, cancellation certainly did not sit well with her that's for sure the two the two pieces that we have in front of us in terms of the quote uh they quote never send their children to fight for their country and quote most of them are having quite convenient lives obviously referring to jews 
in the United States. Now, it's interesting because as you and I have discussed this over the years, and I know that uh, you advise Jewish leaders of organizations to be very careful about these issues, about addressing things that are going on in Israel, uh, you generally have told us that universally you believe that every Jew on earth has a right to be outspoken about Jerusalem, right? That's one thing you've always said when it comes to the issue of Jerusalem, that everybody, no matter where they live, right. has a right to um, uh, to say something and have their opinion known. Uh, when it comes to other issues, however, even with the, thank God, large population of Chayalim and Chayalot, who are from outside of Israel, who are serving in the IDF, it becomes a much more cloudy picture. One would have to admit that, correct? Right, and it's not even contingent on those things. I think people have to realize that words have consequence, and because American Jewry matters and, and is seen by the rest of the world as a critical element in the support structure for Israel, if they perceive these fissures, if they, if they rightly or wrongly, but certainly if they get an exaggerated view of it, then that diminishes to, to the, the um, deterrent value and the uh, impact that American Jewish involvement in cloud would have. That's that's one aspect of it. Two, you, you sow further seeds at a time when so many young people are distancing themselves. Why add to that? Yeah. And and we have to think of the consequences of a word. You know, wise people have to be careful, we're told by Chazal, with what we say. And it's because words matter and, and words can kill. Right. You okay. know, beyond the lashon. We say life and death can hang on on the tongue and what you say. You can destroy a person individually. You can destroy, do great damage to the relationship. So it isn't a question of free speech. It's a question of of being smart and intelligent about what you say. And you know, people are already attacking her because she didn't serve. She's religious and she right. did national service, right. which is a form of, of service and gave the time, but. You know, then this all adds up, then becomes very political, and everything is so charged in Israel, politically normally, but especially now. Right, but, but okay, so one, then, then one last piece to this. To speak about it being charged, there has been, uh, there's certainly been some tension between American Jewish leadership and the Israeli administration over the last few months. We know that they are not always happy with the way certain issues have been handled. Uh, you just said American Jewry matters. Uh, is it possible that American Jewish leaders, that a good number of them, are fearful at this point that maybe American Jewry does not matter as much as it used to, and that we're in a new era now, just like we're in a new era in terms of the way the world views Israel? In 2017, we're in a new era in, uh, in terms of Israeli independence after 70 years, independence from, you know, from help from diaspora Jewry. So is it possible that in addition to the insult that she's responsible for toward American, you know, to the American Jewish community. Is it possible that American Jewish leader, leaders are somewhat skeptical and somewhat paranoid that their influence is waning? Look, all relationships evolve, and Israel is going stronger, more independent, has broader relationships, but still, in every uh, study done, presentations to the cabinet, uh, assessments of the national security, uh, they acknowledge the importance of the role. Second, I wouldn't say that all American leaders, I think we shouldn't uh, generalize that there have been tensions with segments of the community, right. important segments that are, um, uh, and and those things also become magnified. The media loves to show 
the man bites dog, that, that when American Jews criticize or feel alienated or in conflict situations with the uh, governments of Israel or elements of the government, then that becomes, um, you know, great media and great uh, coverage. All the good things, all the positive relationships do not get that kind of uh, notice and, and, and context. But I think, you know, the prime minister's quick response and reaffirmation is an indication, and the the fact that we have every week here ministers, we still have, I think, in in many regards, the the strong relationship. It has matured. Israel has matured. It's not Israel of 1948 or 1968. It's uh, 67. It's Israel of the 21st century. Is Tzipi Chotavelli still on your invite list? She spoke to the conference just about a month ago or so, so she would not be on our invite list now. Yeah, but that was pre her shot at American <laughs> leadership. Well, I think that would raise a lot of questions about it. Oh, you're serious? Right now. Wow, interesting. All right, she, she better take a couple of months off of any journeys to America, it sounds like. Um, uh, you know, one of the things we did not address last week, and it got a couple of people upset, is because we had not been on in discussion on the air the prior week, and the three millionth tourist had arrived at Israel. I'm sure you've seen the video of the Prime Minister's encounter with her, right? Yes. That was a lot, that was a lot of fun, no? It was a lot of fun. It was uh, uh, These visitors were treated royally, taken uh, to... Uh, the Prime Minister gave them a tour, but the uh, mayor of Jerusalem, others, I mean, they lucked into a very nice situation. I think they were Romanian. And um, t- tourism is really uh, quite remarkable, that this year, for the first time, they went over uh, three million. And I also noticed yesterday that the, um, the prediction of a hundred thousand Chinese tourists will be reached and surpassed this year, and that by within the next year or two years, it'll reach two hundred thousand annually. Mm, unbelievable! If MK Litzman uh, continues to uh, threaten and eventually does leave the government, will it weaken the now government considerably? Of course, it's a very tenuous situation because the you know of the investigations because of uh, the length of his term because of so many reasons that uh, people are speculating already and have been about the elections which are not due for at least the campaigns wouldn't begin for another year so perhaps it's just an early start but the loss of the religious parties his balance is very thin and. Um, you know, if some smell blood, though nobody has yet come up with who would replace him. Likud would still be the strongest party, though likely much smaller than what it is. And an alliance of, let's say, Lapid and Gabay or some other combination could pose a serious challenge to as to who would form the next government. Oh, and before I get to the top of the hour... Um uh, it's fair that I give everybody until uh, until Wednesday to uh, come up with the answer of why the 29th of November is a significant date in modern Jewish history. You'd say that's a fair approach, correct? Well, not for those who are participating in the programs on uh, Tuesday, Vice President Pence being one of them. Wow. And on uh, during this whole week, we have about 22 maybe meetings with uh, the U.N. ambassadors of countries that participated on November 29th, 1947. Unbelievable. In a very important action, and because you're not telling, I won't tell, <laughs> but uh, we are presenting them all with a recognition to, including Russia, France, others who have answered that they would welcome the meeting, um, to remind them of what happened then, of the history, of the distortion of history that we see so often today, and that um, it, it acknowledges the fact that they were supportive, but 
also reminds him of the responsibilities today. And I was going to express sadness. I'm not invited to any of these events. And then you go ahead and you, you have my back on this whole thing. So what am I going to do? Everybody has till Wednesday to come up with the answer of why Chavtet November, the 29th of November, is a significant date in modern Jewish history. And we suggest, as Malcolm has said many, many times, utilize the long Friday night meal during this November of 2017 to tell your children and grandchildren about that amazing and incredible historic day. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSegal.com on the NahumSegal Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Do you think there'll be new elections in Germany soon? Right now, they're stalemated. I think uh, it's a distinct possibility. People are tied. I think the German people don't want to go through another election, but because the other one was indecisive and they can't, Merkel can't seem to form a government yet, uh, they they are turning to the opposition to give them a chance uh, to see if they can form a, a government or she could go with a minority government. So I think elections are probably the last resort, not something anybody really wants to go through voluntarily. I get that. Uh, why is it so significant that the U.S. wants um, the PLO office in uh, in Washington to stay open? Why would they? Why does the State Department care if it stays open? Because it's a, a point of communication. It's. A, I mean, I don't know why. I mean, that's the reasoning I would ascribe uh, to it. And because the other side has threatened to do all sorts of things, yet the, the other side, meaning Fatah in this case itself, mm-hmm. is going against American policy and and agreements the, that they are saying they're going to go to the International Criminal Court, even though the Secretary of State has warned them of the consequence. And in this case, the, you know, they may not have a choice but to close it and the um, and in so many other areas where they are in complete violation of, of the uh, understandings and and you see how um, uh, there was a recently a big shipment of explosives that was uncovered going into the Gaza Strip and this was uh, by these new technologies that Israel has where they check what goes in and you know there's a huge number of trucks every day that deliver goods to the... Um, oh, meaning without even opening up the truck, they could figure out what's in there. Or what right, type. and then wow. this is, cool. they have an innovative laboratory that was set up at the crossing where wow. they can test for suspicious materials, and they stopped the truck that had a cargo of, uh, that was supposed to be motor oil, and when they took the samples of the oil, they discovered that the truck was actually hauling materials to be used in large-scale production of explosives. Unbelievable. So... I mean, they are constantly in violation of constantly uh, testing and, and, and uh, you know, pushing the envelope for which they too often do not pay uh, a price, not just they, but uh, many others as well. And uh, we saw now the release of the, the person responsible for the attack in Mumbai by the Pakistani government. And, of course, they ruled that they didn't have, you know, sufficient uh, um, evidence or sufficient material to... to uh, to prosecute, to, to, to hold him. Nine years ago this week. Nine years ago, exactly what I was going to say, right? Um, so now they have scientists that are required to be employed on the uh, the cross, at the, what do you got, the checkpoints, right? Technicians. I mean, it's say. unbelievable. Uh, the, uh, the expertise is simply remarkable. And what about the guy they captured, that um, and, uh, the, the 23-year-old, uh, who apparently, <laughs> apparently um, 
um, uh, revealed, uh, you know, he, spilled, he spilled the beans, to say the least, about all the different operations that are going on along the Gaza border through all these tunnels? Well, Israel has detected a lot of the activities because of the new technologies that are in place. But human intelligence, and that is one of the is still critical, and that's one of the arguments why people are when they demand the withdrawal of Israeli troops, and they say, "Well, you have technology now. The best technology is to be on the ground. The best advantage, military advantage, is to have personnel there to have human intelligence uh, and to see." Uh, what is happening. And it's especially important when you have now the coordination between Hezbollah and Hamas. We see that increasing. Um, they, they, uh, Hamas is, you know, is talking about still turning over civilian control of Gaza to the PA, but not giving up its military power. So it essentially, it would be free to invest whatever resources it has in uh, a larger military force. And to, they're using Hezbollah as the model, but Clearly, the fact that they've opened this office and uh, taken up permanent residence there for some of the key people, the, the deputy head of the uh, so-called political bureau is is amongst them. Um, and as you know, Hezbollah is Iran, and Iran is Hezbollah, so right. that this is uh, is not something that can be can be dismissed. Whenever Israel wants to demolish a uh, a terrorist home, we're under the impression, at least you know the casual news observer, is that they're able to do so. Is the Does the high court stand between Israel and the effort to demolish these homes the majority of the time? Sure. The majority of the time? Well, I didn't, I, no, no, I'm not saying the majority. In every case, virtually, I think they have to get permission uh, to demolish it. And uh, there are set rules, you know, with in terms of terrorists. And you're not talking about just random uh, right. demolition. You're talking about when they when this is in response to a, a murder and attack. Correct. That's what uh, and, it's a, and, and it is a, a, a deterrent. We know that it is a deterrent. And that's one of the reasons why we're, the anger about the PA coming in and saying and rebuilding the houses or providing money for new housing or, or other things, which uh, uh, undermines the deterrent effect and shows that they're not really willing to join uh, fully in the, in fighting terrorism and and uh, as trying to stop it by the the turn value of arrest of of demolition of fines uh, you know that there was a court order against the PA that uh, that they have to pay 17 million dollars for the 2001 uh, attacks on the Jerusalem Modin highway right. Uh, and others, and yet, and these remain unpaid. They do do not honor these uh, judgments, um, and so courts, hopefully against them and against their sponsors, meaning Iran and and others, will be continue to be pressed uh, to pay and to to hold them accountable for what they fail to to live up to their responsibilities in preventing these things. It's the, their obligation to prevent. It's not just that they didn't do it that they can say, and and our media too often. You know, exonerates them from from uh, uh, responsibility, and the the uh, demand now to disarm Hamas and and a recognition of Israel as a precondition, which the United States has said as well, um, is really important. Taylor Force, no different than two weeks ago, right? It went through committee, passed unanimously, and now it's it's still waiting. Correct? Waiting, right? Uh, and the Jer- and the Greater Jerusalem Bill also uh, off the table in Israel right now. At the at the moment, it's, yeah, I think it's uh, it's not going to go for any final hearing re- readings at, at this time, as far as I can see. And the U.S. essential, and it's out because the U.S. Is, they felt the U.S. essentially just didn't like the whole language of it, right? Right. It's funny. Well, U.S. and others didn't like it, uh, and it's 
you know, the question is whether when you set priorities, uh, and I think for the sponsors this was true too, you know, an unnecessary point of tension at this moment Mm. when we have so many things, I think they just feel it's not because of the right or wrong of the measure. So you think at the right right time it would have floated a lot more easily than uh, now? Right. Yes, I mean, I think at other times it might fly, and I'm thinking in the future it might, right. it might be uh, acceptable um, within the right context. Like moving the embassy, you got to do it at the right time and and in the right way to get it accomplished. Yeah. You saw this 31 year old Israeli who visited all these holy sites across the Muslim world. Was that that I assume was simply a stunt? Correct. Nah, it certainly appears as a stunt, and and not a smart one. Caused a lot of reaction because he had Hebrew letters on his. Uh, he dressed as an Arab and went to the their most sacred sites where uh, people are barred from the non-Muslims are barred in the Mecca, Medina. So you're not questioning his right; you're questioning his smarts. Uh, maybe his sanity too. Did he get back? Do we know if he got back to Israel? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he didn't post the pictures till he actually got back to Israel. That would have been smart, frankly. I'm not sure. Uh, wait, but I'm sure he didn't post it till he was out. Yeah, I guess so. Um, it caused a lot of insult and, and I mean, again, an, an, an unnecessary incident. Yeah, I understand that. All right, uh, 40 years since Anwar Sadat reached out to a Menachem Begin. Um, what do you think 40 years later in terms of the context of history and whether, in fact, uh, Israel was smart, Begin as the leader, to respond the way he did this is that gesture. I think history has certainly vindicated the decision uh, that the Egyptian-Israeli agreement has held. I don't think many people at the time really believed that it would be sustained as long as it has. And it's critical, and especially in, in past years when Israel was very much alone and much more vulnerable, uh, when before Syria was you know locked in its own internal war, which now again, poses threats to Israel, and we see shooting across the border, etc. But uh, the fact that the Egyptian border is a quiet one, and that Egypt and Israel are working together, uh, and the same with Jordan, despite all the tensions and periodic incidents or whatever uh, that occur. But uh, with Egypt now, it is way beyond, and, and President Sisi said to me once that if, when Sadat came to Israel, would you have believed then that Egyptian warplanes would be able to fly over the Sinai and over Israel's border with Egypt without any escort, and no one had to worry about a stray bullet. Mm. And and that is true, that today they cooperate. They cooperate about the terrorism in Sinai, about what goes on in Gaza. And, uh, it, you know, it's still a cold peace. It's not all we would want it to be, and, and we want to see more peace of the people. But the, uh, the significance of it, is certainly sustained today. Could the agreement have been made without a land giveaway? I doubt it. I think there's no evidence that that, that could have happened. That and, and they gave up not just land, but strategic depth and airfields and oil. Yep. Uh, that would have been sufficient at that time for Israel's uh, needs. But today, you see that Israel has been rewarded by finding far greater quantities off coast, off the coast of Israel. Perhaps they would not be have been so incentivized to explore and to to look for the uh, uh, gas that, that that they found these vast quantities of gas. Interesting, very positive point of view on that. And one. and it will be very important because this gas gas can go to the LNG uh, 
uh, liquid financial gas facility that Egypt has built. Egypt itself needs vast amounts of energy, as does Jordan, so Israel has could have two uh, potential clients. And, of course, they're talking about building pipelines to Europe, to various locations, to Greece, Turkey, um, and working together with Cyprus, which itself has uh, a large reserves in its territorial waters. Wow. You're way too positive today. You must be thinking about those uh, great Thanksgiving weekends at the Homowack. Uh, Malcolm, <laughs> when you get together with your grandchildren for to learn the ABCs, does P stand for Palestine? And not that I recall. <laughs> what do you think of this? I mean, we always talk about, you know, you always mention about local issues, etc. But this has become a pretty big local issue that this ABC book has been released. And in fact, the P does stand for Palestine. Is this uh, simply uh, uh, nothing more than, um, uh, than uh, uh, you know, trying to um, create a political position, uh, in, you know, in a very innocent venue? As you know, for me, this is a very vital issue. And I spoke about it last Shabbos at the, at the Art School weekend. I mean, our kids don't know. And many, many people came up to me afterwards and said to me that they agree that they, they were shocked by how little their children uh, know and how many of them have spent the time after I've raised it in other occasions to really sit down and talk to the kids. It, you know, you could put P for Palestine if you tell them this is what Israel was called before 1948 right. and that it was named as such because they tried to de-Judaize de uh, what was then called Judea, and to, to give it the name Philistina for the Philistines who, who lived in the area, in the region. Um, and the, the, the acceptance of it, 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 the fact that, that it was, would become a natural expression or, or, or inclusion in the book, tells us that we have to do uh, much more. And, and you see in the media, people talk very blithely and... and uh, of the state of Palestine, and this all has has implications and ramifications. But the biggest thing is that we have no counter books that tell the other story for children, and and tell the real story of of Israel's history of the Middle East, of uh, who was there when. We have nothing that children of of all ages. You know, we now have birthright for kids. We have uh, facilities on on campuses to to uh, and resource material. But by the time they get to campus, it's too late. You've got to inoculate them when they're in high schools. And, and it doesn't matter where on the spectrum you are. Your kids will be doubting. Your kids won't believe. If that's what you want to see the outcome, then just continue in this way. And it's not a political issue. And it's not a question of whether you say Eretz Israel or Medina Israel. Tell them the history of the Jewish people, our right, our claims, so that they will have the confidence and, and not fall victim to all of these lies and distortions. Oh, I think it does make a difference, Eric Stroman-Dina's trouble. We don't have to argue about that now. But No, I'm you... saying that, that, that I meant on the spectrum that everybody, every yeshiva, everybody has an obligation right. to, to educate about it. Oh, I agree with that. And you chose an interesting venue to make this point because I think we need, I mean, I, just reiterating what you said, we need more and more books for the youth and for young adults and for teenagers on these issues. Uh, that address them and that, you know, give a clear position so that they understand exactly what the history is all about. So um, let's get to it, everybody. Everybody out there who's in the world of publishing, uh, uh, you know, let's consider projects that would, in fact, uh, bring that to the fore and would help uh, our, our children understand the real situation in Israel um, as best as possible. That would be a tremendous service to the Jewish world, I can tell you that much. Um and I and I and an Iran update as we continue to uh, watch what's happening in Syria and uh, 
As we see the Saudi leader compare the leader of Iran to Hitler, what could you tell us about uh, the latest regarding Iran at this moment? Well, there's an awful lot to, to tell because Iran is expanding its aggressive behavior. We see them uh, moving further in terms of consolidating their position in Syria and in Iraq. And in Syria, where there is uh, an American void, you have this process where the leaders of Iran, Turkey, and Russia meet and talk about what the future of Syria will be. And Abbas was in Russia the day before, and the day before that, the three foreign ministers met, said they reached agreement on all the key issues. There's something missing in that equation, as I notice it. And Iran is taking advantage of that. America said they will remain in, in Syria, present military presence there. But we have to be much more aggressive because the outcome uh, is getting more and more clear where Iran is establishing the crescent and the transnational highway, and it's increasing its presence to be within kilometers of the Israeli uh, border and creating a presence there, which is one of its goals and its ability to provide weapons and manpower and support by road from Tehran through Iraq, through Syria, through, to, through Lebanon. Um, they will consolidate this, their position as they also move for a second crescent uh, of, to spread Shiite Islam through uh, Yemen and, and uh, Bahrain and other countries. Um, the the uh, head of the Iran Revolutionary Guard yesterday said that any new war will lead to Israel's eradication, and they are getting more and more sophisticated weapons in in um, Lebanon for Hezbollah is is uh, and, and also for Hamas in in uh, Gaza but to a lesser degree Hezbollah having a hundred thousand plus missiles uh, uh, facing Israel. So the the activities that Iran is engaged in and, and there's so many uh, fronts to, to talk about it and, it and sometimes it just gets no coverage, which is. Um, uh, really distur- disturbing, and when you see the the Europeans trading, it's one hundred and seven percent so far this year over last year. The, the um, exports uh, from the uh, to the EU uh, uh, from the EU to Iran, and uh, the increasing trade both ways actually, and this uh, the fact that the U.S. has to be marginalized in the, in this discussion, and the. Um, uh, the other developments across the region where Iran is, is taking a more aggressive role, the Arab League issued a very strong blast at them, and they hit back equally. So you see that there is a, an anti-Iran coalition with Saudi Arabia, UAE, Egypt, others, but they're not getting the support, and, and Iran is taking advantage of the developments in Saudi Arabia, the disruptions within Saudi Arabia and elsewhere to continue to expand their activities, both to undermine the region, the countries in the region, and to spread their hegemony and consolidate their position. As aggressive as they were last week, that's for sure. And finally, as the the, uh, United States administration, um, well, I shouldn't say it that way, as some in the Jewish community also question whether rabbinic leaders should be visiting Qatar at this time, or not? Is there a definitive decision by the U.S. if they are going to be considered, meaning Qatar's administration, sponsors of terrorism or trustworthy partners in the war against terror? No, there's uh, been no decision. And the fact is that almost all the countries there are in one way or another been accused of supporting terrorism or providing funding, whether for Wahhabi, Muslim Brotherhood, others, whether it's governments or individuals. And... Um, 
so no, but the the, um, uh, the there may argue that we have to keep the ties open to to all countries in order to to affect things. They, hopefully, we pressure has been brought on Qatar to to help because of its relationship with Hamas, which has diminished. Uh, but to get the information on the MIAs and to um, stop the the uh, anti-Semitic content in the Doha Book Fair, which also goes to the Frankfurt Book Fair, where massive numbers of people come, and they seem to move in that direction. Do they sell peas for Palestine at that fair? <laughs> I'm sure it'll find its way there. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Right, uh, Malcolm, enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend. I apologize that we were not able to make arrangements to go up to the Humwack for all of us to enjoy some uh, multiple main dishes tonight. But no matter where you are, I hope it's a wonderful Shabbos and a great weekend. You too. Have a great Shabbos. <laughs> I don't know if he likes when I, when I reminisce or he doesn't like when I reminisce. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. joins us Friday mornings for the weekly update here at JM in the AM.